That's right, yeah. Give it up for the skit, guys, and uh, Lazarus reading I have never heard before in my life. Uh, my favorite line is, he stinketh. <laughs> I love the part uh, that they focus on at the end, though. They, they really land on the name, and, and you can see it in Scripture if you read uh, John chapter 11. Jesus says, Lazarus, and, it, and it's in there, an ex- exclamation point, Lazarus, come out. Made me think about names, and uh, I, I looked up some baby names. You guys like this stuff, the baby names? Um, I looked up the most popular and the least popular baby names that are out there right now. All right, so let's start with the, the, the most popular baby name of, I did 2018, for a girl was Sophia. Anybody have, know Sophia's? Sophia, Olivia, Emma, and Ava. That, that was the most popular girl baby names of 2018. For boys, it was Jackson. Know any Jacksons? Jackson, Liam, Noah, and Aiden. The most unpopular, or I guess, I don't know if that's most unpopular, but uh, at the bottom of the list for girls' names was Emerson. It seems weird. I know a lot of Emersons. Sorry, it's no offense against you if your name is Emerson. Uh, Emerson, Quinn, Elena, and Julia. For boys, the most unpopular names were Weston, Declan, Xander, which I'm down with that. That's awesome. I like the name. And Jason. So I thought, okay, well, these are the, the most popular and, and unpopular. What are the worst baby names of all time? Like, and, and I, because this is a very specific thing, and, and we want to be right with this, I looked up these names have actually been inked on real birth certificates. And all right, so I thought, oh, this would be interesting. Let's look up the worst names. Half of this list, I can't even say from up here. That's the truth. Like, what are people thinking? Um, the number one worst name of all time that is actually inked on a real birth certificate is Little Sweet Meat. No joke. Like, what were they thinking? Uh, number two, I can't share with you. The number three worst name of all time is Regret. Like, oh, like so. The number four name, the worst name of all time is Erica, but it is spelled like this. It's Erica, pronounced Erica, but it's spelled like this. A-I-R-W-R-E-C-K-A. Erica. Um. So just some do's and don'ts for you down there. Yeah, like um, pay attention to the names your, your kids are getting. Jesus calls Lazarus by name. That comes from actually chapter 10. In chapter 10, verse 3, I think, Zach, we have that uh, scripture. In chapter 10, Jesus is, is giving this discourse about the good shepherd. You guys know this discourse. You've heard it before. But right in the middle of this discourse, it says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by, what's the word? Name. And leads them out. It's this important thing that happens in John when he calls someone by name. Even at the very end of John, the resurrected Jesus has appeared and Mary is crying and weeping because his body is gone. And even though Jesus is not, uh, Jesus, even though Jesus is there, Mary doesn't recognize him. Look, you can look it up in scripture. 
Mary doesn't recognize him until Jesus calls her by name. He says, Mary. So I want to add something to this just briefly as we think about names and as you see Jesus calling Lazarus by name. I want to add something, and it's, it's maybe a little bit difficult, but I want you to hear me out. The truth is you may not know your name. In fact, I know some of you don't. Okay, sure, you learned your name at an early age. You learned to write it and recite it, but you never really learned who you are. You're going through life like a movie that's out of focus. To this, I want to offer something startling and difficult, but, but hopefully profoundly good. You may not know your name, but God does. He knows you more than your parents and best friends know you. He knows you better than your spouse, and they've seen you naked. He knows you are more than your past, more than the negative events of your childhood. He knows more of you than you know of you. He sees through the veneer. He knows you intimately. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing. He knows the sum of of you. Now, that kind of exposure can be frightening, except not only does he know you, he loves you. Do you believe that? He knows every piece of you and loves you. And I believe, like Lazarus, he's calling you. I think he calls each of us by name. So I love the name part, but there's something that the skit guys missed in this teaching. Uh, It's something that that I want to pull out. Uh, And it's it's built into us, and, and it has to do with the fact that Lazarus is dead, right? Uh, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus has been in the tomb four days before Jesus even gets there. And, and they, like us, they, know the diff- they knew the difference between someone that is alive and someone that is dead. And they knew that once you die, that's it. Um, let me put it in a, a couple of different ways because we're fascinating with death and what it means. Uh, when you die, it means that the fat lady has sung. That's all she wrote. You've kicked the bucket. You've taken a dirt nap. You've assumed room temperature. You've gone belly up. You've bit the dust. You've bit the big one. You've bought the farm. You've cashed in your chips. You've checked out. You have become a worm counter. Food for worms. Um, You've come to a sticky end. That's kind of gross, sorry. Um, You've expired. You've fallen off your perch. You've given up the ghost. You're playing a harp. You've gone toes up. You've joined the choir invisible. Have you ever heard that one? Uh, you've, uh, uh, you meet one's maker. You're pushing up daisies. Here's another gross one. You're liquidated, literally. Um, that one's kind of my favorite now. Um, the play clock is at zero. The credits are rolling. You're sleeping with the fishes. Anyone know what that one means? You're taking a dirt nap, and then uh, actually Kim told me this one. She said, you're playing chess with Elvis. <laughs> I never heard that one. Uh, but for them and for us, 
dead means dead, right? Like when you die, it's over. And we all get this, like, like they got it. The, the reality is, if you look in the text, this is really why Mary and Martha are so upset. Because Mary and Martha are calling to Jesus, begging him to come. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is about to die. And when he dies, it's all over. There's nothing left. There's no hope. But he's sick right now. And so, Jesus, we need you to come. We need you to make haste. We need you to move quickly because they already knew that Jesus can heal someone, right? They've seen this happen. They believed in his power to heal. They knew it. And, and like, oh, so they're hurrying and rushing and, and they're filled with anxiety. Is Jesus going to get here in time? And what does Jesus do? do you get, any of you remember from the text? He waits. They're in a panic and Jesus is having a picnic. He is in no hurry at all. And, and when Mary and Martha finally, when they do finally meet up with Jesus, man, it's, they kind of confront him. They both say, Lord, if only you would have been here. If you would have just come sooner while he was, he was sick and going to die, but we know you can heal him. They said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. If only Jesus could have been on the scene before Lazarus, before his heart stopped, then Jesus could have done something. But now, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. He stinketh, right? And they're incredibly disappointed when Jesus arrives, right? They're mad at him. Why? Because it's too late. Right? At least in their mind, it's too late. Why? Because dead means dead. Right? And when you die, when you push up daisies, when you play chess with Elvis, it means it's over. There's nothing else past this point. And it's at this point I want to interject a heavy question to you. The heavy question is, can Jesus save someone who has already died? Think about it. Uh, some of you are already interjecting your theology on me. I feel it. I feel it coming. Wait, 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 wait. Adam, what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that somehow Jesus can save someone who has already died? Well, what I say was, I, I don't know. What I do know is that for Jesus Christ, listen, this is, this is important. What I do know is that for Jesus Christ, death is isn't a barrier. In verse 11 of this chapter, of chapter 11, Jesus, in his nonchalant stroll to wherever Lazarus is, Jesus doesn't even recognize Lazarus' death. 
He doesn't, he, he doesn't even see it in the same way. He even says in verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And the viewer, he's not asleep. He's liquidated, you know, like, like, you know, like, don't you understand? He is dead. He's past the point of no return. And Jesus says, no, he's fallen asleep, but now I'll go and I'll just wake him up. You see, for Mary and for Martha, it was too late. But for Jesus, Jesus, it doesn't matter. It isn't all she wrote. I love this song. Well, we've been singing this song for a while with Kim, this Salvation is Tied. And there's a verse in this song that we sing it every single week. And I want you to think about this verse. One of the verses of the song is, there is no limit to your power. Right? We sing that. But we still think, well, death is it. I mean, once you die, you die. And you're done. You see, I, I think our, our tendency is to think that, like, like it's, it's too late for someone or, or for a situation we've been struggling in. Like, I think that's our natural tendency is to say, oh, man. Like, have you ever thought that or felt that about a situation or a struggle? Like, oh, man, it's just too late. Maybe you've had somebody that who has died, and you thought, oh, man, it's just really too late for them. Like, I want to interject something important. Jesus says in the story of Lazarus, these are, these are important words, it's not too late. We had a veteran uh, that was a part of our church for a little while. Uh went into the VA to, uh, to have, a, have a surgery. Uh, and it was, it was pretty significant surgery, but, but it was supposed to be okay. And while they were prepping him, I know we have some people in the medical field, while they were prepping him for surgery, they hadn't begun yet. He was, he was on the table uh, and the surgery was about to begin. He had a massive heart attack and died in front of a room of surgeons and doctors and nurses, all of the best that the VA hospital here in town has to offer. And they immediately began work on him. I mean, like they couldn't have, they weren't a foot away from him when this happened. And they immediately began to work on him. And I got the phone call and I took off and I'm, I'm headed up to the hospital and I meet the family and they're in the waiting room and they're like, oh man, we're just praying. We don't know, we don't know what else to do. We're just praying, we're just praying, we're just praying. The doctor uh, comes out of the, the surgery room and meets us in the waiting room. Have you ever been in one of these situations? And the, I'll never forget, the doctor said, we have been doing CPR, life-saving, every life-saving thing we, we can for 32 minutes. All right, I don't know if you know this, but they don't do it for 32 minutes. Nobody does CPR, I mean, I guess... They did in this case, but I'd never heard of that. Like, like this is an unimaginable amount of time, you know, to be coded. Is that the right word? I'm, man, I'm sorry. I don't know anything about this. Um, but, but he just said, he said, we've been doing this for 32 minutes, and we want you to know we're going we're gonna to go a few more minutes, but we're about to stop. And, and honestly, we just want you to prepare yourself. Because after 32 minutes, the chances are really, really, really small. And he left, 
And we gathered around together and we cried and we prayed. And I know maybe you're going to think this is some preacher story. This is a true thing. This really happened. And 10 minutes later, the doctor came back and he said, look, we can't explain it, but he's awake. Not only is he awake, he's talking. And I remember going in, uh, he, he fully revived, fully recovered. I, I don't know if he heard his name called, I don't know. Fully revived, fully recovered. I remember standing in the center of the CCU at the VA hospital and the number one doctor in the CCU and the surgeon both came up to me and the family after this is over, a few hours after this is over. And they, they looked at us and they said, the first thing they said was, has somebody been praying? Because we don't have any explanation for what happened. This is a, I, this is a God's honest truth, true story. Um, someone who was dead came back to life. It, did it make headlines that night? Was it on the news? No, it didn't. Um, it's the closest thing I can get to a Lazarus story. Like, I don't see that every day. That hadn't happened in all these, the, maybe all of the, the tons of times I've been in this situation. But for whatever reason, this time, he came back. And he came back with a mission to tell every single person he knows about Jesus. In his, uh, he was annoying his roommate by talking about Jesus. He was annoying the nurses and doctors that came and checked on him because before they took his blood pressure or checked anything on him, he was always asking them, do you know who Jesus is? Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you really, are you, are you ready to trust him? You know, Jesus really is the way and the truth and the life. And I thought, wow, I should appreciate this life. I have a little bit more I should share. I should, be, I should share Jesus a little bit more. I tell you that story because I want some words to sink in today. As we're in, Lazarus is really the turning point in John in a lot of ways. Lazarus is Jesus' last sign. The next big sign of Jesus is going to be Easter, and, and I want your thoughts to start turning there. But I tell you the story, and the story of Lazarus stands out in this, in this bright light in the middle of John because it reminds us that with Jesus, it's never too late. I want you to hear these words. It's not too late for your marriage. It's not too late for your friend trapped in an alternative lifestyle. It's not too late for your friend or family member struggling with addiction. It's not too late for your, your strained family relationships. The story, when I, when I shared this earlier this week with my dad, my dad said, you know what this story reminds me of? It reminds me of the criminal on the cross. 
It's not too late for him. It's not too late for the Samaritan woman. It's not too late for the blind man. It's not too late for Lazarus. It's not too late for you. I think you need to say these words. I I know I've been talking about them and I want to preach them to you, but I'm just going to say the words. It's not too late. I'm just going to say them a, a couple of times because I feel like some of you aren't believing me here. So I just want to, I'm going to say it and you repeat it. Let's just do this a couple of times because I think maybe you need to hear yourself saying these words again. Can you do that? All right, now these are no small words. These are big words. So I need you to say, if you whisper these words, boy, you're going, we're going to know. It's not too late. This is your part. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Do you believe it? Like, like that's why we're in this thing, aren't we? That's what this whole thing is about. The promise and the hope that can come through Jesus Christ. Chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That's my invitation to you this morning. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of communion. For some, it's a, it's a place to share, and I encourage that. For some, it's a, it's a place of meditation and reflection. I, I encourage that too. But as you take these elements of the resurrected king, say those words in your head again. It's not too late. Say them and speak them as a prayer over a tough situation that you are facing right now. And be reminded again of the power of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you again. I thank you so much for your word. This, this amazing story that sometimes we just look at is like, like, like it's cute, but what does it really mean? And how does it really speak to me? Father God, let it speak to us in powerful ways today. Let us be reminded that there is no limit to your power. That even death for you is not a barrier. And so, Father God, with all the courage that we can muster, uh, all the courage we can muster in this prayer, Father God, we place that situation of pain and brokenness and hurt, we place it right at your feet. And with all of the faith we can muster, God, we say the words, it's not too late. And with those words, God, we invite you to move and we invite you to act. Help us, Father God, to experience firsthand the resurrection in our life. Father God, you invite us again this morning. Maybe some of you, even in this space, are struggling with what you believe. Father God, we invite you in this space to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Pray that each of you and every one of you would receive the life that he Look at your power. 
love you, Father. And in your Son, Jesus' name, the whole church together says, Amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy time of communion together.